the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. It is time for the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is in studio with us, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, sir. Today on this beautiful Saturday. Oh, I'm doing well, but you know, you never want to hear it. Those Larry's. Oh, something's not right about two seconds before the show starts, but it really was everything was okay. We just surprised you with some new music, right? Is that what it was? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I was hitting some buttons and I uh, hit the wrong button in the in the control room and uh, everything went haywire. Yeah, but don't, you, don't, you give rested, buttons, so. don't give Larry Very buttons. Don't give Larry buttons. Well, good morning, everyone, and oh, welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners on Sirius XM, uh, Channel 131 Family Talk, as well as our listeners on WAVA, Channel 105.1 FM in the D.C., Baltimore area, and Northern Virginia area as well. Good morning, everyone. It is Open Mic Saturday, so you can feel free to give us a call with any of your investment questions, estate planning questions, taxes, the government funding, what's going on there, the budget deficits, interest rates, the Fed, your 401K, whatever's on your mind, insurance, whatever's on your mind today, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123. 855-767-3123. Well, the Fed met this past week. And they did what we thought they would do, which was basically pause and then jawbone down the markets. Okay, the Fed came out and they basically said, listen, you know, their their expectations for a recession at this point is less likely, which is great news. Okay, we're starting to see more and more data research showing that uh, when we're looking at our research as well. We're not out of the woods yet as far as that goes. Uh, if there is one, it'll probably come the first part of next year. And, and indications are saying it's less likely and it might be short and shallow. 
Uh, not a big, big, big deal there. But, you know, we're not out of the woods yet as far as that goes. But as expected, the Fed, quote-unquote policymakers, decided to pause interest rates at the high range of 5.5%. Remember, last year we were at zero. We've raised 550 basis points so far. And and the Fed's going to keep the keep the, the the rate right there. They came out and they said we're probably going to be higher for longer. So what does this mean, higher for longer? They anticipate, you know, they're still wanting to get the 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 inflation rate down to the targeted their targeted two point zero percent two percent range. And that is a that is a far reach. We've talked about that for months over over this uh, over the airs on this show and in other things that I've been doing. Um, a lot of other factors that they cannot control have to fall in line in order for that to happen. But the key component here is the Fed said, "Listen, we're going to we're going to stay higher for longer." They've told us that before. Okay. We saw, we've seen a market pullback since the beginning of August for a couple of reasons. And let me break that down for you. And the Fed added a little bit more to it just the other day with their statement, higher for longer. We'll talk about what that means, where things look like they're going. So in the beginning of August, we saw Fitch downgrade our, um, our uh, credit rating, credit rating. The U.S. government debt went from AAA rated down to AA plus, and, you know, it's because we're spending a, an incredible amount of money. Well, here's another problem. Well, let's just spend more money. Well, let's just spend more money. Let's just borrow more and go into higher deficits and things like that. Guess what? We've got to slow this down, okay? We've got to – the U.S. doesn't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. So that started pulling back the, the, the markets a little bit with that. Uh, because of the credit rating that, that, that dropped. Now we have the Fed sitting here saying, listen, we're going to be higher for longer, okay? Um, and what that means is your, your more uh, growth-oriented stocks uh, who are more interest rate sensitive are saying, you know what, this, we don't like this too much. And they pulled back a little bit the other day as well. So we've seen your tech stocks, your higher PE stocks, your uh, IA stocks, you know, your, your uh, innovation, your technology, your, your interruptive technology stocks start, starting to pull back a little bit. It doesn't mean they're going to crash and fall or anything like that. They're just sitting there going, well, a rate reduction from the Fed is going to be a little bit further down the road than what we actually thought it was going to be. That's all this 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 is right here. We've seen this three a couple of two or three times already this year in 2023. So nothing new right here. The the bottom line is that that a lot of people were hoping to see interest rates drop this year or first part of next year. You know, the Fed came out and basically said, you know, they 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 don't see it happening and you know until maybe just the end of of uh, 2024. Somewhere in that area, the Fed did state that they do anticipate having another rate hike this year. Well, we're running out of this year time frame, right? So, so what does that mean? Is that really going to be the case? There's a good consensus out there that says no, not so fast. And, and what we need to see happen simply is this, is we need the Fed to get in our rearview mirror to pause. You're going to raise one more time? Do it. Pause. If you're not, just pause. We need to see 
what happens with inflation. We need to see what happens with PCE, core inflation, unemployment, corporate earnings for four or five months without the Fed getting involved in raising rates because that's going to give us a true indication of the answer to the question, have they gone far enough? And we don't know the answer until they actually pause on this. Bottom line here from the Fed's view is the Fed says basically they see a soft landing but expects rates to stay higher for a longer period of time. There's nothing wrong with rates being higher as long as the economy can digest it. You know, there's nothing wrong with us going back to pre-financial crisis, economic policy pre-2008, where we had a little bit of inflation in the 3% range, but we had a bank CD at 3.5%, a little bit of interest on your savings accounts, T-bills that were a little bit more attractive. We're getting back to normal economic conditions when you look at this. Everybody's sitting here going, well, we want the free money. We want interest rates at one, two, three, you know. Those days may be passed for quite a while as far as that goes. So, so you know, and, and then on top of this with them saying that, that uh, well, in August when we got our debt downgraded, it spiked rates up. It spiked the 10-year note up uh, uh, close to four, above four. And, yes, and just the past couple of days it spiked up to five and a half. I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me, not five and a half. Whew, that'd be way too yeah, high. Four and a half, okay, yeah. on the 10-year note. Yeah. So is the Fed making the statement saying, you know, look, we're going to see rates higher for longer, you know, that, that spiked rates up higher, right, in, in the bond market. And as I've been telling everybody and teaching everybody, everything wraps around the axle of, the, of that 10-year, 10-year note. note. Credit card notes, car payments, mortgages, you know, student loans, all that kind of stuff. And when that thing gets up around four, four and a half, it really tightens down the the economy. It really puckers it up, you know. And so, so we're starting to see a slowdown coming here. And and uh, so, how dangerous is this going to be from the governmental standpoint? Uh, in the point of view, where they continue to spend, they continue to spend. When are they going to get that under control? And is it ever going to be so devastating to us at some point that you know we, we're History has shown, Chris, that we've we've grown our way out of it. Okay, okay. we've we've moved things around. We've grown our way out of it, and now you have to take a look at well, what is the debt service to our GDP? It's only three or four percent. Uh, so some people are saying, well, we've got a ways to go. Then we're okay, you know. And other people are going, thirty-three trillion. Hold on a second, okay. Uh, you know, so it's I'll a take big three percent of that. I mean, and every time uh, I ask that question to. Uh, Wall Street economists, Wall Street fund managers, and all that kind of stuff is, it's okay until it's not. And, <laughs> and you know, that that's just a weak answer. That's the only answer I've ever gotten for all these years on it all. And, you know, we, again, we need to rein it in. We need to at least try to balance the budget one year. You know, uh, we've only had that under Bill Clinton once recently, you know, in, the, in, in recent history. So, we, 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 we need to we need to rein that in and, and the question is can we take the pain to do so? Are we willing to take the pain? The political backlash of hey, we're gonna make some cuts. You know, what what does all that mean? And yet you've got social security turn you know, looking at us right down the corner here, right around the corner in twenty thirty two. I was talking with with, with 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 a, a, a client earlier this this past week on social security funding and, and taking a look at it. You know, they were very concerned, and I said, listen, you know, I just don't see us having political backbone to let the program 
dwindle down. It's it's well knit into the fabric of our nation at this point. And it does a good service for a lot of people across the country. But on Social Security right now, if you take a look at they do nothing, the base model is in 2032, everybody's going to have to take a 30% cut in order to fund it to 2082 for another 50 years. So how do you fix this? When do you fix it? And, and the issue is simply this, is there are so many levers that touch Social Security funding. Uh, the FICA tax from the employer, the employee, the Social Security wage base, right? The amount of percentage somebody can take at an earlier age. Instead of 62, maybe it's 61, right? Uh, delay a little bit longer, you know, change the, the, the full retirement from 67 maybe to 68. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can look at doing. And you can move a couple of these little levers very slightly that's not really going to change a lot of people's funding or change a lot of people's household. But aggregately across the country from all workers, they can drop it in there and you can you can fix it. It's just a math problem. It can be fixed over a weekend. We just need to get the political backbone to step up and actually go ahead and do it. And there's a lot of different models floating around out there, but that's coming up too. You know, that that is not that far off in the distance future. And there's going to be a sitting president and Congress that's going to have to address this. And if they don't address it, well, I wonder what's going to happen there, you know, uh, from vote from a voting standpoint and things like that. So so there's a lot on the docket there. And the bottom line here is this is, you know, the Fed is still going to control the money supply. The Fed is still going to control it. And. That money supply is also going, you know, the velocity of money running around. You and I, Chris, as consumers, you know, we make up two-thirds of GDP, of output. We are a consumption society. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, we, we, we just keep an eye on, on the velocity of money. The economy ebbs and flows along there. Hey, all in all, having a great year in the markets as far as that goes. So there's always opportunity to make money in certain areas. Sometimes you have to move it to other places and things of that nature. But we are getting very close to the end of this cycle, of this rate-rising cycle. We're not there yet, but we're getting very, very close to it. So that's good news uh, for everybody concerned there. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here. Let's give us a ring this morning and open up those phone calls or, or open up the phone lines. Give us a call today at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. 
To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Call right now with your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal, who's live here in studio with us, and also live on YouTube if you'd like to join us. LarryRosenthal.tv. Another thing to think about also is that next webinar coming up. We're getting ready to get that going on. And we had a great one this last time, didn't we, Larry? We did, Chris. We had a lot of people from all over the country on the webinar. And uh, it was just this this past Wednesday. And we kind of went over the SECURE Act 2.0 again of uh, some of the subjects. We really, really dove down into teaching people how to avoid some unnecessary and, in some case, excessive taxation on their dollars while they're growing their money and and passing those assets on as well. Uh, We've had some uh, conversations already. We're going to go ahead and do that same webinar again in October. Uh, People want to get really get into this information, and they do. They need to understand exactly what's going on with the Secure Act II and and how it is a – there's a lot of tax infestation going on with a lot of uh, uh, IRAs and things like that when they go to pass the assets on because of the way assets pass down to the next generation via beneficiary form or through a trust, uh, they're, they're coming after this. They're, they're, you know, there's no longer allowed to have the lifetime tax advantage stretch IRA for your heirs. And they could truncate it into a 10-year period of time. And hopefully that doesn't change either, or else there's just more taxes. So uh, next week we'll have another link up on our website. You can go check it out at LarryRosenthal.com. While you're there, follow us on uh, Facebook, and then go ahead and, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, LarryRosenthal.tv. You can watch us stream the radio show live every Saturday morning. But I do want to talk a couple of things today about uh, some of the subjects and some of the questions that we got on the the actual webinar out there, which was a lot of questions centered around Roth conversions, and you know, understanding the the theme, if you will, of the webinar that we did last week, which is avoiding or minimizing unnecessary and excessive taxation. And so, if you stop and think this, think about this for a long for for a little bit here. A lot of people have saved the majority of their money inside their retirement plans, their pre-tax retirement plans, okay? That means that money's never been taxed before. And that's a great thing because all along the way, you've been getting a tax deduction to put the dollars into the plan. But now in retirement years, a lot of people are starting to find out, hey, guess what? You know what? I don't necessarily retire in a lower tax bracket because tax brackets have expanded. And then you take a look at the level of taxation that these dollars are getting hit with because of the SECURE Act when it goes to a non-spousal beneficiary, your kids or grandkids, right, when you pass. So, so it used to be that, that they could stretch that money out, those, those inheritances, for as long as 82.4 years. 
Now it's a 10-year period of time at best, and then the entire account has to be liquidated and a lot of taxes have to come on there. So if you think about, you know, let's suppose you have a million dollars in your IRA, and now all of a sudden you, 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 you pass and it goes to, say, two kids, and then in 10 years, they, you know, that 500000 they each get, if they, don't, if they don't need it, maybe they let it grow for another 10 years. It grows to a million, let's say. You know, at 7% in 10 years, it'll, it'll double back again. It's just simple compound interest formula math. And now they've got to pull a million dollars out and pay tax on it all. Guess what tax bracket they're going to drop into? Almost a 50% tax bracket. So, so when you take a look at what's happening here with them hitting this, this thing on this 10-year rule, it's really charging. It's really costing a tremendous amount of, of retirement dollar income stream to the next gener- uh, beneficiary uh, generation. So, so what is the answer? How do we avoid this? How do you minimize it, right? How do you, how do you make it work best for your family? So we went through the, the 12 different ways to title accounts. We, we, you know, and, and one of the, a lot of the questions last, uh, last uh, earlier this week on the webinar was when we were talking about Roth conversions. How do you put money into Roth IRAs? There's three ways. You put money in through contributions, through conversions, and then through rollovers. And a lot of questions came up on Roth conversions. Who should convert? Who should consider to convert? So here's my rule on this, okay? Just don't run out and start converting haphazardly. Have a plan because there's some tax rules involved with converting. But here's the rule. Everybody who has pre-tax IRA money or, or traditional IRA money, if you will, they need to sit down and take a good constructive look at whether or not they should convert a piece of that to their IR, to their Roth or, or all of it to their Roth. And what we end up finding out is, is clients that get, get educated on this and understand, hey, you know what, there's some value in Roth conversions if I want to pass these assets on tax-free to our heirs. So the second thing is, first thing, if you have pre-tax IRAs, sit down and let's do a Roth conversion simulation, calculation. Second thing is, why do people convert to Roth? One is because they themselves want to have tax-free income later in life. And two is because they desire to pass assets on to their heirs most tax efficiently. And, and, and so how does that play into financial planning? How does that play into wealth management? There's a lot of people that say, you know what, I'm not going to spend all of my IRA money. They're blessed. They're not going to spend all of their IRA money. And they desire to pass it on to their heirs. Well, would it be better to pass it on in a lower tax bracket, if you're in a lower tax bracket today, than them when they receive it in their high earning years? So that's kind of an individual thought process, an individual question and, and answer right there. And also, do you think that taxes are going to be lower for your kids or grandkids or higher? What do you think is going to be the scenario there? So there's a few different things that play into this conversation uh, on Roth conversions. And then, of course, you've got to follow all the rules on the Roth conversion. You know, you've you got to let that, that, that con- each each year that you convert Roth, it carries a five-year bucket of time before you can start pulling out the earnings tax-free for yourself. So there's, there's, a, there's a handful of things that goes into this, but everybody needs to sit down and take a look at it because passing on tax-free assets to your heirs 
is much, much better than passing on taxable assets to your heirs. The question is, do you pay the tax on that today? And that is a different answer for every family out there. You know, if I brought 100 advisors in from around the country, the first third would tell you never convert. The next third would say convert everything that you want, okay, that you possibly can. And the, and the, the middle third, which is where I reside on this, is take a look at it year by year. Some years you might convert, some years you might not. Some years you convert more, some years convert less. Depends on what's going on in your income stream. Depends on how old the beneficiaries may be uh, when, you, when, you, when you're taking a look at passing these assets down. There's a lot involved in this conversation, but the tax arbitrage, the ability for, for you to win in this scenario is something that can be accomplished just by understanding how to properly go about doing the Roth conversion. There's several steps involved that we, that we look at with clients. It's very important to do that. Hey, give us a call this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, we need to be good stewards with all of our assets. We need to get educated on on them. You know, we, we've got the difference here between man's economy and God's economy, right? And, and God's economy is a giving economy with Jesus, uh, you know, at the head. And, 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 you know, one of God's qualities... <laughs> you know thank the lord right is generosity right is giving you know and 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 how do we go about setting things up we've we've got the blessings that the lord has given us but at the same time we have to put these blessings in man's tools what is the difference between a a non-deductible ira a traditional deductible ira or a roth ira do we need to understand how do they all play out should I match? Should I put my money in more than my employer matches in my 401k? Should I not contribute to it? What should I do with my insurance programs? All these types of things, you know, we need to understand how to be a good steward with what the Lord has given us, you know. And uh, you know, Malachi 3:10 says, "Bring in all the tithes to the storehouse, where there be enough food in my temple. If you do so, says the Lord of of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven." Uh, for you, I will pour out blessings so great on you won't have enough room to take it, uh, take it all in. Try me, put me to the test in this. And so, you know, the Lord is is serious about that. We want to be good stewards with all of our assets as well, and that means understanding how to manage them inside man's tools. On top of that as well. So, hey, give us a call at eight five five Rose one two three. You can watch us live stream our radio show this morning on LarryRosenthal TV. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. It's open mic Saturday. No questions barred at all. Love the questions at all. Let's help drive some content here. What do you want to talk about today? Eight five five Rose one two three. Back in a moment with more. Making money. listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing 
How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Call right now with your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. It's time to call to talk to Larry Rosenthal, who is live here in studio, taking your calls here today, Larry. Information, Chris. The information highway, right? Oh, we heard that enough times, right? Is that what we're on? We are on the information highway. Okay. The well, the freeway. information ratio. Uh, I don't know what that one is. You familiar with the information ratio? No. No? No. Okay. What's the information well, ratio? Here we go. The information ratio is one of, of many, many data points that someone can take a look at in analyzing their own mutual funds. I'll be right on that. I'm sure you will be. So here's the way this thing plays out. It's called the information ratio. Excuse me here. That's the uh, sneeze-to-speak ratio that you're dealing with right there. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Boy, I'm going to catch it for that one right there. (laughs) I can see my phone blowing up on this. Okay, so now, information ratio, right? How you, there's many different ways people will take a look at at how to analyze their mutual fund. Well, is my mutual fund better than the benchmark? Is my mutual fund better than your mutual fund? Which is the best mutual fund out there? I want to have the best mutual fund. Well, you got to look at it in its category, its asset class, objectives, and all that kind of stuff. After you boil that all down, one of the metrics that that we use sometimes is the information ratio. It's a ratio of the portfolio's returns in excess of the benchmark. In other words, if the benchmark does 8% over the course of a year and your fund does 9, you've got a 1% excess return, right? And and so it, it, it returns it to the volatility of those returns. It's it, it looks it's similar to some other other types of things in Sharp, but here's the bottom line is this. The information ratio uh, measures a manager's I should say ability to generate excess returns relative to its current benchmark, okay? But it also attempts to identify the consistency of the portfolio manager. In other words, does the portfolio manager hit a lot of singles all the time and every once in a while hits a home run? What's the consistency of the fund beating the benchmark, right? The the ratio is also going to identify if it's beating the benchmark by a lot in a few months or very little every single month. Would you rather have your mutual fund beat a benchmark, Chris, a lot in a couple of months where it's sporadically spiking up and down or consistently beat it a little bit each and every month? So the higher the information ratio, 
the more consistent the manager or the management team is in delivering those returns in excess of the benchmark. Yeah, I'd go with that one. I'd rather be Yeah, consistent. so you yeah. can take a look at, at sort of the volatility re- reflecting if it spikes up a lot or not. You know, and so, so again, this is just one of the many data points that one can take a look at when analyzing their mutual funds, okay? And there's still more money in mutual funds today than there are in individual stocks or ETFs and things like that. So so I always like every once in a while to bring something like this to the table uh, so that people can take a look at. Where do I find the information ratio? You can Google it up, and it'll tell you what it is on your fund. I'm sure that's no problem. Or, or look at a, a software company that, 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 publishes, that publishes them, you know, there's all kinds out there, Y-Charts, Morningstar, Zephra, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of these different places will, will publish the information ratio. And it's kind of an interesting thing, too, when you, when you look at it because it gives a big summary view of things. And it's something that I know a lot of people are going, I've never heard of this before. It's one of those things that, that, it, that can weigh a lot for consistency of returns, for stability of, of uh, uh, returns versus spiking up and down and things of that nature there. So take a look at it. Check out what your information ratio is, and uh, uh, you'll be surprised at, at, at how it looks as compared to the benchmark. Lots of fun when, when, when it comes to all of that. So we're entering the fourth quarter in a couple of weeks here, yep. getting, getting down to, to, to the end of the, of, the, of the calendar year, right? Yeah. Christmas is just around the corner. I was you know, just looking at the calendar. It's crazy. Moving fast. Well, we, we, we've got to get through Thanksgiving first. <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah. And, and Halloween, I guess, if you want to pick it yep. on there. Yep. We gotta, yeah, nah, well, Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> got to get through Thanksgiving, <laughs> Amen. right? Amen. Um, so now let's, let's take a look here at, at some of the subjects that, that will be coming up in the fourth quarter when it comes to efficiencies in your portfolio. And one of them is called the WASH rule, all right? So the WASH rule here is this. Now, I'm talking about investment accounts that are not IRA, okay? They're non-IRA accounts, non-qualified is is what their true name is, accounts. And the WASH rule is this. Let's suppose you have one position, whether it's a mutual fund, an ETF, a stock. Let's suppose it didn't do well this year, and and you had another one that did well, okay? Let's suppose you've created a capital gain on one of $25,000. You you bought something earlier this year. It's up. It's up X percent, and and you've got a gain of twenty five grand in there. And for whatever reason, you're sitting there going, you know what? I I need some money. I wanna I wanna sell it off, or I wanna do something. And you have another one that that is you know is not doing that well. Okay, maybe it's down twenty five grand, right? You could actually sell that one that's down twenty five grand, assuming it's been there for over twelve months, long term capital loss. And then you would get that deduction on your tax return. You can then sell off the one for twenty five thousand, okay? And they would net out. Now, now here's the deal. Also, um, when you take a look at just doing one, like suppose you wanted to sell a losing position, the risk is this: you say, well, if I sell it now, I can capture my loss, and then I'm going to turn around the next day and buy it back again. Not so fast. There's a provision in the code called the wash rule, wash rule selling. And it's pretty long and deep and, and uh, gets down in the weeds. But here's the deal. If you were to sell ABC stock at a loss today and turn around tomorrow and buy ABC stock, 
you're not going to be able to book that loss because you've got to wait 30 days to rebuy it again. But what you can do is understand the wash rule and what's behind it, and that is that you can sell ABC stock and buy DEF stock, and that's perfectly fine. You can sell ABC today and buy DEF tomorrow, and it's a whole different company. That's not a problem. Where we get into some areas is what if it's an ETF or a mutual fund? Let's suppose you had a, uh, I don't know, let's say a health care mutual fund and you wanted to sell that today and buy another health care mutual fund tomorrow. That may not work because you have to have a 70% differential in the holdings, right? So buying, selling one mutual fund in an asset class, let's just use health care again, and buying in the next one the next day will break the wash rule. You will not get that deduction. But if you were to buy an ETF, now that's a different type of product. And then you have to take a look at the lineup in the ETF versus the mutual fund and make sure there's a lot of different holdings there. So there's some detail in reporting. I'm sorry, there's some detail in your research as to what you want to do, or sorry, in order to obtain the wash rule to get this. So uh, how does it work? Well, what happens if you're just in love with this one mutual fund and you say, I, I've got to have this fund. I, you know, I don't want to be out of this fund. Well, in order to book the loss from a, from a wash rule selling standpoint, you have to be out of it for 30 days. Then you can rebuy it. That's not a problem, okay? Uh, one of the neat things here is an idea that is sort of circulating around now on the wash rule is this, is, you know, how often do you see a mutual fund go up by 5% inside of a month? You know? That's pretty rare. I don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, that'd be a great thing, right? You know? That'd be a huge return annualized. But, you know, with, with T-bills where they are today, you can go – place some money on deposit and get some interest short term, right? You're not going to get 5% in a, in a single month, right? But but at least you can get some interest on some of this money and then go back and buy that same mutual fund again after the 30-day period of time. So just be aware of the wash rule, okay? Uh, people can use it uh, to reestablish cost basis, do, do a lot of different fun things with it. Uh, you know, toward the end of the year. And you'll start hearing more conversations about this just simply because of you take a look at this year, you take a look at your growth stocks, your technology stocks, your, your, your growth side of the market has really performed well where the value side has been lagging a lot. And so you're going to have some opportunities this year to do some wash, uh, wash rule selling along the way. What's, so. a good, what's a good return on a mutual fund on a monthly basis? I mean, is there something, is there a rule of thumb about how much you should be making on that return each month? You know, when you, when you take a look at returns on a monthly basis, you know, that, that is, that, that's really not the right way to look too at short things. Term, I mean, right? it's, it's too short term. Mutual yeah. funds are, are, are a long term uh, proposition. ETFs are, stocks are as well. You know, if you just stop and just take a look here at, at boiling this down, from the standpoint of, of the question, what's a good return each month? The stock market is one of the greatest man-made wealth creation machines that's out there, right? 
So why do we ever want to get out of it? Now, there are times that we want to put the brakes on and maybe move things a little bit more defensively. And there are times we want to move things more offensively as well. But when you look at, you know, returns month over month, there's going to be some negative months and some positive months. And we have to understand that we live in a market of extremes. Our stock market, Chris, is a market of extremes, extreme highs, extreme lows. Intra-year, on an average basis, the stock market will trade in a single day up 1% or down 1% 61 times. There's about 225 trading days, and 61 of those times on the average, the market will move 1%, either positive or negative, in a single day. Wow. You talk about volatility, yeah. right? Oh. That's what our market is. It always has been. It always will be. And when you go take a look at the year-by-year -year returns, you know, I've, I've got this chart. Like, uh, I know this chart started in, in 1980. In 1980, the stock market did 26%, being the S&P 500. It did 26% in 1980. But at one point during the year, it was down 17% intra-year, okay? And the market is filled with those types of scenarios right there, okay? Yeah. So, so when, you, when you look at the market maybe doing 11% one year, at some point it could have been up 17 and down 22, but it closed at 11%. So in order to get the average long-term rate of return, You've got to stay invested yeah. in the market. Stay and the when market. you look at the 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 the, uh, the stat no, not the stat when you look at the stats, when you look at the the numbers each year on what the market did versus what the average investor does, the average investor usually gets about half the percent because they're jumping uh, in of, and jumping out of right? what the markets do because they get in and out. When yeah. you listen to the to, to all this you know, the, the, the shows and the magazines and all this stuff, get in and get out and get in and out. And that's just not the right thing to do. There are times you get more defensive and times you get more offensive. So how do you measure? Just year to year? Is that how you kind of go over the 52 The way weeks? you measure it, the way you measure it is against your financial plan. Uh -huh. You're not in competition with the stock market, okay? Because the stock market has no finite time. The stock market never has a day when it needs income. The stock market never has a day when it has to go buy a new car. The stock market never has a day when it has to put kids through college. The stock market never has a day when it has to put a down payment on a new house. But you do. It's not about so that the means yeah, about That the means that yeah. as you move closer in time to needing some money, that pile of money has got to be more conservatively positioned. I met with a client this week, sold their home, going to pause on buying a home for a couple of years for, for just different reasons that's going on in their family, wants to park some money. And I told him, I said, listen, you know, here's what you're going to run up against. Here's the scenario. You know, do you want to put any of this money at risk or do you want to get, you know, sort of a guaranteed rate of return and some T-bills at this point? Or do you want to do a combination of both? And he was like, well, what do you think? I said, well, I'll give you my personal bias. If you've got a bill due in, inside two years and you've got the cash, why are you going to risk it? Just to try and get a 10% return, is that going to change your life? No. But if you get a 10% drop, will it change your life? No, but I won't be happy about it. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just put it on interest and pull the dollars back. Some advisors will say, no, let's take a third of it and, 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 and try and get more money so you can get a three-car oh. garage rather than a two-car <laughs> garage, you know? And, and it's like, do you want to risk that? 
you're in competition with your financial plan. If your financial plan says, hey, you're still able to to obtain your goals. Let's say you're you're 60 years old and you're going to retire in a few years and your financial plan says, "Hey, I'm going to obtain my goals," right? If the market were to drop 15% and then you rerun the financial plan that very same day and it still says you're on pace to to retire at your current standard of living, pass assets on, give to charities and things like that, does it matter what the market's doing? Well, yeah, it has a play in it. It is it it, it is involved in it intimately, there's no doubt about it. But you're in competition not with the stock market. You're in competition with your own financial plan because your financial plan probably makes up different things, quote-unquote, than the S&P 500 stock market because you're going to need to turn some of that money into income. You're gonna, you might have 30% in bonds. That's not a fair comparison at all. But people yet do that. So, so one of the ways that you can look at it is doing a custom benchmark inside your portfolio where you compare your holdings versus a benchmark of your holdings, now you're getting somewhere when you take a look at that. But really, you're, you're involved in, in your own financial plan. Hey, if you want to see what one looks like, go to my website. I've got a video of one right there. On, it's about 90 seconds long on, on our first page of our website, LarryRosenthal.com. It's about quarter of. We're going to have to take a quick break here. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Larry Rosenthal Show, and I'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. We'll talk to Larry Rosenthal, who is live here in studio with us. Sure, let's welcome Kim on the line from West Virginia. Good morning, Kim. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. I just had a, a couple of questions, really. First of all, I was wondering where do I need to start to be able to understand a lot of the things that you're discussing? I listen to your program every week, but just to be honest, I've not been trained in financial matters so much, and a lot of it goes over my head, and I'd like to be able to just do some study to find out what it is that I need to know because you can't ask questions if you don't understand what you're talking about. That's a great point, Kim. And and so what I would say this is is you have to first understand what the economy is doing. 
the economy either expands or contracts. And I'll give you some right. information on where to find that, okay? Then the second thing is we have to understand how different products work, mutual funds, ETFs, individual stocks, bonds, annuities, whatever it may be. Then the third thing that we need to understand is what are your investment objectives and goals? And these aren't necessarily in any order, okay? What are your investment objectives and goals and build a financial plan? Then we have to take all of the information. What's the economy doing now? How do the products work? And what your objectives are for your family. And then we make investment decisions as to, well, let's put a little bit, of, let's put a dollar in this investment here. Let's put 50 cents over here. Let's put $2 over there. Overlay a tax scenario on top of it all. That's the objective that we have to do. So if you want to find out how, how, what your objectives and your goals are and take a look at it all, we can draw a line in the sand and say, if I keep doing what I've been doing today, this is where I'm going to be, okay? I can send you out our financial planning toolkit, and that'll get you started on really building a financial plan. So I'll be happy to send that out to you. The second thing is, when you take a look at the different products, what's the difference between a stock, a mutual fund, an ETF? Why would somebody want a mutual fund versus an ETF or an ETN or something like that? I have a kit that goes through all of that information, and I can send that to you as well. The third thing here is the economy. What is the economy doing? And you can go to, to BLS.org, Bureau of Labor Statistics. Okay, so it's the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's where all of the economic data comes out every single day. And you start reading that. And what's the importance of the jobs report? What's the importance of ISM manufacturing? Why do I care about the treasury auctions? What's going on with personal consumptions and expenditures on the consumer? What about inventory? What about corporate earnings? What about uh, PPI, uh, producer price index? There's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of reports that come out, Kim, each month. And you have to understand how each one relates to the economy. And then you can understand what the economy is doing. Is the economy either expanding or contracting? But that's kind of the education behind all of this, all right? I've actually created a document in our office years ago on the most heavily weighted market-moving indicators of things that come out. And I can send that to you as well. But that's the education. And then... If you really want to, you know, nail it, you got to be on it every day uh, in watching the economy and the markets. But that's the story right there. Um, if you don't want to take on that full-time job, then understand this. The best product that I've ever seen between in somebody doing wealth management and financial planning and just estate planning and the whole nine yards is the communication, the relationship between you and the financial advisor. Because that is, is, is what's going to happen. The financial advisor's main objective there is to extract from you what your goals are, your time frame, and all that kind of stuff. Okay? Um, and and uh, uh, then show you and educate you on the different choices of different things. That's pretty much what, what, what the scenario is there. 
Um, so, listen, I appreciate your phone call. If you have any other questions, uh, or if anybody has questions today, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's go ahead and welcome Martin on the line from Woodbridge. Good morning, Martin. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for taking a call, Larry, and uh, appreciate Chris being there, too. And um, Sure. Yeah. My question is, um, Larry, I, I have a friend that comes in and out of the country sometimes. And um, has the uh, he already has Social Security number, you know, been there numerous times. And but they like to have some money to stay here and maybe put a little bit of money in a checking account. Um, so I want to do the right thing by them, and um, they want to maybe put a thousand dollars in a checking account. Now my concern is make sure that they don't have some situation that maybe they have to pay taxes on. Um, what would you think about that scenario? So wait a minute. So you want to you want to give your friend a thousand dollars? They're going to bring money into the country, a thousand dollars, and then put it into the uh, a checking a bank, some bank. And so, I was just wondering if they would have to wind up paying some amount of taxes for any kind of. So they're they're going to bring they're going to bring foreign currency into our country, and then they want to deposit yes. it into their own checking account. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, when they bring the money in, like suppose it's euros, they bring in euro dollars. They will have to convert it at the bank to the U.S. dollar, and then they can deposit that into their checking account. Yes. That, yes. That's the process on it. Now, how they earn the money in Europe, they would have to pay taxes over there on those dollars. Then they'd have to pay taxes on any interest that they earn here after they deposit it into their bank account. Yes. I know I've heard that if you do, if you make under I don't know ten dollars ten or twenty I think it's ten dollars and most time the banks don't recommend you don't have to necessarily turn it into our tax uh, for the IRS since it's so minimal. You know I I, I don't I, know about that at all. I have no idea about no. that at all. I would I would talk to a tax preparer on that. I, I do not know that. Yes, okay. Okay. But that would be the the functionality of it there. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, All I appreciate right. that. Appreciate. Um, uh, I thank you for everything that you're doing today. Absolutely. Thank you for the call, Martin. Have a great weekend. If you listen to Making Money Sense, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We'll be announcing our next webinar coming up, uh, or next Saturday, we'll be announcing our next webinar uh, in October. We're going to be doing it on the SECURE Act again the ins and outs of IRA money going through a trust and the taxation levels that's on there if the trust is not written correctly. Um, so, you know, and, and we'll be uh, posting some of those these uh, uh, webinar shots as well on our on our uh, YouTube channel, LarryRosenthal.tv, in the coming week. Also, we want to continue to deliver this education out there. While you're at the website, visit us at RosenthalWealthManagement.com or LarryRosenthal.com. And uh, follow us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, LarryRosenthal.tv, and sign up for our newsletter. We send out a weekly market commentary. There's no charge for this. We send out a weekly market commentary, uh, you know, Monday afternoon or so on the market action last week and what we're seeing and what, what's going on out there. And if you have any questions during the week, feel free to give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. It goes right to the office as soon as we're off the air here. And during the week, we get a lot of people inquiring and sending emails and phone calls. You know, hey, I heard you talking about this, that, and the other. Can you send me out some info? More than happy to go about doing that for, for everyone. So.
So uh, everybody on the East Coast, stay dry, yeah. warm this weekend, right? And, uh, uh, you know, with all the rain coming in. So for Josh in the back, stepping in for Bob today, filling those big shoes, appreciate that. And for Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.